Good morning. You will used to see me once a year in the pulpit. Because the last time I was here was exactly the same, uh, same date, I guess. First week of March. Anyway, we well, thank God that uh, um, Pastor uh, and the young adults spend a weekend retreat, so I get a chance to be with you, sharing with you today. Anyway, um, some are scared when they see short people in the front. <laughs> we, I, I, I remember when I was a kid, and like I used to go to a small church with about five, six families. And uh, we don't have a pastor in our church. And um, once in a while, once in three months, a pastor just came in from, from another town and visited us. And so we used to hear uh, a good sermon every three or four months. And so what happened is because of the, the long period of time that we haven't heard a sermon, a good sermon, the pastor has to spend about one and a half hours giving us a sermon just, just to compensate the, the lost time. So, and then since then, and then one time we have one visitor from, from uh, the U.S., I guess, a missionary came in, and he heard the sermon, and so he thinks that Filipinos or short people have a longer uh, sermon. But that's... That's the bad news. <laughs> Good news today, I've, I've been here in Canada for about 22 years, so I just, I guess, learned the rules. <laughs> anyway, it's God's word. Doesn't matter, long or short, it's God's word. So today, uh, let me talk on a topic that uh, we usually practice, and it's about compassion. And I've been struggling on this uh, the last uh, few weeks. Um, I have some ideas. I've been praying a lot, but I couldn't find its struggle uh, to, to, to apply the, the right application points. And so uh, when, when Pastor Matt emailed me, what are the points that I need to emphasize, I, I said I emailed him all the ideas that I have in mind. So it came back with a reply and said, please comment. So it came back with a reply with the points. So uh, which, is, which is good. So anyway, I, I would like to start our message today with, with a question. Have we ever experienced a time when we run out of our basic needs? Have, it, have you ever, or how would you describe yourself when you run out of money? Have you ever experienced a time when you run out of food in a day? I had that kind of experience one time when we're doing missionary work in the mountains, 
of uh, one of the islands in, in the Philippines. And it's, it's about three days' walk to the nearest town. And so uh, it's hard to run out of food. And we pray, and I dream of a hamburger. I put a trap one side of the shanties that we are staying, where we, where we stayed. And I prayed for a hamburger. After an hour, I get a mouse burger. <laughs> I know that the, the story is not the best way to start a message. <laughs> Especially like this, when we have a beautiful morning, and we sing with this beautiful song. We're filled with excitement and joy in our worship. I know I can ruin your entire day, especially if you're thinking already of lunch after the service. But sometimes you will do anything, especially if you are in a difficult situation like what I shared in order to survive. But what about if the question and experience did not happen to you? What about if it happened to other people? Or looking at our situation here, for example, in Canada, what about here on Sunday morning, you are ready to worship, you're driving on the way to church, you stop on a traffic light, and somebody coming to you with a little box doesn't say anything, how would you react? What would you do? Will your readiness to worship be affected? For the last few weeks, our church has been involved directly and indirectly in compassion ministry. Among these are the wheels on mills. Some are doing the sandwich preparation, sandwich making. We've been doing some meetings. We talk about Syrian refugee uh, sponsorship. Today, we just had an announcement supporting a, a building of hospital in Pakistan and many other things. Big and small, we know they required ample amount of preparation from gross, uh, doing groceries, um, cooking, baking, sandwich preparing, doing meetings, fundraisings. Sometimes we um, have to gather information about the project, about the plans, communicating, and most of all, lots of all, our prayers. We collect 
collection of volunteers looking for volunteers, and so many other activities that sometimes we are caught up with all these activities and forget the most important aspect in a compassion ministry. And so today, that's what we're looking at. We're trying to dig in, we're trying to reflect these important elements as we practice or as we do the compassion ministry. And so the story that we are going to look at and reflect can be found in Acts chapter 3. And it's in uh, 911 pages of your, the Bible in front of you. Acts chapter 3. The story is about the healing of a crippled beggar. But before we read the passage, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, may the words, your words, serve as a lamp into our hearts and our mind as we reflect this morning. We also prayed for our pastor and the rest of the young adults with them as they do the retreat, the weekend retreat. Hope, O oh Lord, that all of this will be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 3, from verses 1 to chapter 16. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directly his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with gates, with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorify him, his servant, Jesus, who you de- whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is true Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So, the books of Acts, we know, describe the early church. And it's not just the early church, but the early church in action, as the early disciples and the apostles of Christ practice, uh, has to practice what Jesus has taught them before he died. And after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the, the, the disciples have to move on. And so they received some of the final instruction, and one of these can be found in Acts chapter 1 in verse 8. That uh, it says there that they have to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That is one. And one of the other instruction is that they have that they have to preach the gospel. They have to be witness in Jerusalem, in, in, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So this is a big, big task for the disciples to do. But they just followed it. They received the Holy Spirit. They spent their time together in one place with prayers and fellowship. And then the fellowship of the believers were strengthened and leading them to the establishment and expansion of the church. And then opening the doors for new opportunities for mission. And so the Lord added to their numbers daily, especially those who are being saved. And then they spend, uh, the disciples spent time in their teaching again and continued their fellowship and the breaking of the bread and prayers like what we did this morning. And then, if you will note in chapter 2, in verse 43, or 42, yes, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of breads and prayers. And in verse 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So it's, it's in this context where our passage starts the awe and wonders that the apostle did. And here comes Peter and John, and it's around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's the ninth hour as described uh, here. And they, they are on their way to the temple to spend time in prayer when they encountered a crippled beggar. And so the man was described as crippled since birth. In chapter 4, verse 22, it says that the man man is over over 40 years of age. He is just, just crippled, but he is a beggar. 
and what and then he is also being carried every day going to the temple gate to beg for alms or money and then if you notice in verse 2 or in verse 3 now what happened is in the encounter it was him it was the man it was the beggar who saw the disciples first seeing peter and john so i just want to to point that out because we will be looking at the diff, the the the, uh, the exchange of looks as part of the of the action of the gesture of the words in this story and what do we expect uh, from from it and 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 so um uh, it says there that that this man look the beggar look at uh, peter and john and and then uh sitting on his favorite station of course which is the beautiful gate and then he asked for money. And then the disciples' attention was caught. And Peter told the man, I have no, I have nothing. I have no gold. I have no silver. I have no gold. But this is what I will give you. In the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, walk. And the man suddenly healed and walked and leaped and praised God. So it's, it's kind of a short story, plain story. But let's take a closer look on how this man was healed. So learning that, first of all, the learning that this man was brought to the gate of the temple every day kind of surprised me and, and think of something but the, that the story didn't tell. If you would recall, um, somewhere in the gospel, around some, somewhere in Matthew 21 and in some other parts of the gospel, but at least in Matthew 31, 21, sorry, that Jesus, in his last week before he died, he spent publicly his ministry in Jerusalem. In Matthew 20, chapter 21, especially in verse 9 or in verse, in verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their cloak and, and road, and this is happening in Jerusalem because it's the entry, final entry of, of, of Jesus Christ. And in verse 9, And the crowd that went before him followed him and shouting, Hosanna to the Son of God! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And in verse 10, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So that day is known. A lot of people knew him. He entered Jerusalem in his final week. And then if you go in verse 12, the same Matthew chapter 21, and Jesus entered the temple. And drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers. And the seat of those who sold pigeons. 
And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. So he did some uh, um, uh, uh, things that will make him known or at least controversial to the religious leaders, political leaders, and, and, and ordinary people. And it's not only that, but in verse 14, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed, him. He healed them. And so I, I, I was wondering, would, would, where, where is this guy? It was saying here that this guy has been brought by people every day. Maybe not for the last 40 years of his life, but at least a little longer for a span. And, 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 and this one of the gates, is the, the gate, beautiful gate, is one of his favorite um, places to sit down and ask for alms or for money. But at the same time, I, I look at John in, in, in chapter 5 too, that he could be one of these people. Um, uh, people I'm expecting Jesus uh, could be healed. In, in John 5, chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1 to 7, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In verse 3, it's, in this lay a multitude of invalids, the blinds, the lames, the, uh, and the paralyzed. And one of the men was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he has already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool where the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. And so, it, it could, it's, it's just, I just assume, it's a possibility that being a lame man, it's hard for him to get in there because there are also other people, other sick people to be healed by Jesus. But anyway, what, what I'm just uh, saying is that maybe it's not the time that God has prepared for him to be healed. So as, as, as I have said, that I am a speculating the possibility that he could have made some effort to reach to Jesus. But at the same time, his disability prevent him, as described in John 5, 1 to 7. His lameness could have kept him from getting there. He could have hoped that Jesus would heal him given the opportunity. While we're sure that Jesus can heal him, but it didn't happen. At the same time, maybe we can see some, some measurement of faith in him. But his faith could have been crushed when Jesus was led to the cross. Now we know that after his death, 
it was the same Jesus that healed him. Now we know that death has no bearing on Christ's power. And this and now we know also that in Jesus' name and by faith this man was healed, as declared by Peter later on in verse 16 of our passage, Acts 3. And this brings us to our first point of the message, that we must show compassion in order to demonstrate our faith. There's no doubt that the story implies the man was healed by faith. If we look at our passage in Acts 3 in verse 16, it says there, says in, 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 verse, in verse 16, and his name by faith in his name, has this man has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is true Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So there's no doubt in it that faith was seen during or uh, as as uh, during the exchanges of, of the looks and the healing as well. But let's, let's look at it one by one. As I have said in verse 3, first it's the man who saw the disciples. He first saw Peter and John. And then the question is, is there faith in that look? My reaction is that I doubt it. Because following that in verse 4, and the Peter, and Peter and John has gazed at him as did John and said, look at us. And verse 5, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. In, in other version, respect, he's expecting to receive money or arms. And so, you can see the intention of the look. That, that our look can express something. Earlier, I mentioned about a, a, a somebody, because I experienced this, that like one time, I'm on driving, I'm driving and I stop on a traffic light, and somebody approaching me with a box. And the guy, is, as he approached me, looking at me, and I know he's expecting something. And I don't know how to react. And I, I, what I, I did is I looked somewhere else. I pretend that I haven't seen the person. And I don't know what to do. 
And I have to be sure that my window is closed. And I pretend that I'm just concentrating on my driving and ready to go. And sometimes it's, it's hard to react. It's hard how, what, what you will do in times like this. When you see a beggar or somebody expecting something from you. I had my experience on our way in one of our travel to the Philippines, the, the, the whole family. And from the airport, like our brother and my brother-in-law pick us up from the airport and we had to drive on our way to, to uh, his place. And then it's so hot, like we, we, we left here, it's a springtime, and, and when we, uh, we, uh, we arrived there, it's a hot summer, and it's 30 to like from, from minus one to about 31 degrees centigrade. And so my daughter opened the window on our way, and when we stopped the, the traffic light, a beggar had to uh, just right away hold the, the, the and, and, and clung to the, to the window of, of, of the car and ask something aggressively. We need a dollar. We need something. And, and, and so my, 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 my brother and so they try to close the window, but we can't because the guy is holding on the window. Say, I'm not, I'm not getting out of this. Like, you have to give me something. And, the, and, and the, the, the traffic light changed to green, and he has to start driving. Say, you have to go down. And the guy didn't go. And like we're running like 60 and 70 until the next light. And, the, and then the red, another red light came and, and um, stopped us. And then, and then say, that my, 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 my brother-in-law said, don't give anything. Because after that, three or four or five more people will just come in right, right away. And, 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 so, and so say, okay, I'm giving you the final warning because we're going to the highway now. If you don't go down, you'll die. And, and, and so the guy, as soon as we start to go, the guy jump left. But you'll see the different situa- in a different situation that there were some aggressive um, and, and, and there were some uh, who are li- really like nice at you and don't say anything. They don't speak up. They just look at you. And it's, it's happening here. Like in, in, our, in our story, it, it, it just happened that they are not aggressive. Like, she just look at Peter and John. But that looks means a lot. That looks asks for something. But one thing we have to be sure that it asks for our compassion. Could be the same reason that I, we, it didn't say it's his friend, but we know that somebody brought him every day to the temple. And maybe taking him out as well, going home, and the next day bringing him back also. And that's compassion. But what's the difference between what they did compared to what Peter did? 
What they did is they bring him every day in and out of the gate. But what, they, what happened is, uh, um, for this man, just to alleviate his condition and, and, and solve his condition temporarily. Tomorrow, the next day, next week, he'll be going back again and again and again. He's still in the same situation, begging and asking for something. With Peter, right away, Peter dismissed that idea. Silver or gold, I have none. Right away, Peter pointed it out that, yeah, it could be important. Yes, it will help you to survive. Yes, it will help you alleviate a little bit on a daily basis. But that's temporary. God has a better plan in mind. In the name of Jesus, walk. With faith. And so here, Peter showed compassion. But that compassion was demonstrated in his faith in Jesus. Faith in the power of Christ. It's faith in the one who is the author and finisher of our life. Second point is that we must show compassion in order to serve in love. So our second point brings us to the real purpose of our service. In verse 2, he was carried to the temple every day to beg for a living. And it's a great deal of compassion. It's a great service to the man. Can you just imagine doing that every day, morning and afternoon? But what we can see is that the man, the beggar, still didn't enjoy the fullness of life. We know for sure that every day, he could have collected some few money or arms. But still, the man cannot walk. The man cannot find a job. The man has to beg someone to carry him to the temple gate and beg someone to provide him his daily survival. With the Peter, yes, Peter and John, they admitted of their material bankruptcy. But by saying in the name of Jesus Christ, walk, they, they, they announced, they demonstrated their spiritual adequacy. And so in verse 7, we go to verse 7. It says there that, and he took by the right hand and raised him up immediately. And so when, when, when 
taking the right hand. It helps the person. It helps the man in his tragic situation to attain joy and complete healing. And so this is, this is, this is the gospel of love in action. This is, this is like when Peter, Peter's hand took the man, it was the power of Jesus. It was the hand of Peter, but it was the power of Jesus that helps him and provide him uh, and provided him the fullness of life taking taking the right hand of, of of that person is a gesture of reaching out someone from a tragic situation with the presence of the living god it is a complete manifestation of what we can find in John chapter 1 in verse 14 this is what it says there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore with witness and cried out, This was he of whom he said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And in verse 16, And from his fullness we all receive grace upon grace. So what, what we should have seen here is that not just the sacrificial service of the human body of Christ, but the actual lifting of Peter of the crippled beggar's hand, what we have to see is the sacrifice of, 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 of Jesus and the glory of Jesus and the grace and the fullness and the truth. And the fullness of life. Says so there what we should see is the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. It's full of love, it's full of grace, it's full of truth. And this is, I think this is one of one of the things that we used to fail as Christian, as as we practice our um our compassion. That sometimes we, we experience the fellowship. Sometimes we, we were amazed with the result. Sometimes we, we identify those who sacrifice much, who give their time, who give their money, who give their service, their effort. But we fail to recognize and appreciate and accept the real glory which is in him the real author, the real provider of life. In verse 9, the people were amazed when they saw the crippled beggar. They were shocked. They were surprised. They stared at Peter. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And then while he clung to Peter and John, all the people are utterly astounded, run together to them in the portico called Solomon. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? 
And so Peter is correcting the people. That this is what you failed. Don't look at us. It's not us. And so with this, when people look at Peter, what kind of look at it, you know? It's, it's an empty look. It's an amazing look, but it's an empty look. It's a, it's a kind of look that is asking for answer. What happened? It's a look that has no faith. The crippled person, the man, when, they, when, 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 when he looked at Peter and John, it's not a look of faith, but it's a look that is expecting money. These people, they, it's a look that is amazing look, but it's a look which is empty. There's nothing in it. And Peter and John has to explain to them that instead of recognizing that you guys, you people, instead of recognizing and accepting the order of life, you disowned him. You killed him. And Peter revealed that while it is true that this man had crippled legs, the people experienced a crippled spirit. Sometimes it happened to us. We might have complete Good physical body, strong legs, strong hands, strong minds. We can walk anywhere. We don't have disability, but we have crippled spirit. It's the same. If you look at it, that crippled person go to the temple or at least carried to the temple gate. He is so close to the center of worship but couldn't worship. How many times when people come in, get inside the church, but couldn't worship because of a crippled spirit. Jesus wanted us, both conditions have to be changed, and it has to be changed completely. We are sure it's only the power of Christ by faith can do this. In verse 15, and you kill the order of life God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And in verse 16, it's his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And the last point is that we must show compassion as part of our worship to God. A changed condition will lead us to this third point. 
that our show of compassion is a part of our worship to God. So this third point, it answers the question of the ultimate goal of compassion. It calls us to worship God. We can only worship God when complete change happens in our life. Before the man cannot walk, before the man cannot live, before the man cannot praise God, but after that complete change, he was able to. But at the same time, when Peter announced to this, the people, you guys, you people, this is what you did. You have a crippled spirit, and you have to change as well. We have, you have to understand that we go in and out of the temple, but it doesn't mean anything to God. I remember the encounter of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman declared in John chapter 4, verse 21, declared that we know how to worship our God. And Jesus had to emphasize to the woman, you don't know what you worship. You don't know what is worship? Jesus said to the woman in verse 21, chapter 4 of John, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for the salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Today, this morning, the challenge for us is to look for ourselves and ask, is there anything in me that seems to be lameless? that seems to be disabled and prevent me from worshiping the true God? Is there anything in me that needs healing, complete healing from the Lord? We have to be reminded 
that he died on the cross to complete our healing. His compassion is always there. And our response is to have faith in him. Accept his love and experience the real worship. Let's bow our head in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you're the first to show your love and compassion on us when you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Father, we know many times we always show our compassion. But many times we failed and come short because our compassion is lacking faith, lacking the real love, and lacking worship. Father, we thank you when you show to us through sending your only Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, when you show the real service when he died on the cross for all of us, for our sins. And thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us, understanding that the real worship is worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray to heal us there's anything in our life that needs to be healed that you may be able to accept our worship. Lord, teach us that whatever we do out of compassion, we always give the glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.